Welcome into a very special edition of Corn Syrup, a horror podcast. We just had the absolute pleasure and honor of sitting down with Christina Lease, who plays Kyle in Child's Play 2. She very nicely agreed to sit down with us in celebration of the 30th birthday of Child's Play 2, which is on November the 9th. She delved into her relationship with director John Lafia, who unfortunately passed away in April due to suicide. We were happy to sit down with Christine in September, considering it's Suicide Awareness Month. She got into her relationship with the godfather of Child's Play, Don Mancini, her relationship with Alex Vinson, who she co-starred with as Andy Barkley. And I'll tell you what, man, she is just as cool as you could have imagined. Four weeks ago, we were talking about how Kyle was such a badass in Child's Play 2, how Really, she was one of the best final girls of one of our favorite franchises. And now here we are talking to her. And, like, we're just a couple of nerds from Philly <laughs> who like to talk horror movies. Yeah, we definitely had some nerves go, man. But it was super exciting at the same time. And uh, definitely something you and I are never, ever going to forget. But, man, just the way she talked about the horror community. And she really echoed a lot of thoughts that, that we have. And we've only been running a podcast for two months but just hearing her thoughts on that really echoed our feelings about this community, and I'm just sitting here super thankful to be doing this. She's a very candid person, very down-to-earth person, very funny. Uh, she was everything we expected, plus some. She was awesome. Yeah, she didn't hold anything back, which, you know, for anyone who's seen Child's Play 2, Kyle is a very rambunctious, rebellious person who just speaks her mind. And that's who Christine Elise is. And it was just freaking awesome, man. And I can't wait for everybody to hear it. And without further ado, here is a very exclusive interview with Christine Elise. First and foremost, we just want to tell you that we're just gigantic fans. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we have a little bit of a little bit of a nervous energy going on, but we're very, very yeah. thankful that you decided to join us. So looking back on it, obviously, you know, turning 30 years old, Child's Play 2, how, how did the casting come about? I mean, I'm assuming you had to audition. Take us through the process for it. It's a standard, not no glamorous story. It's a standard thing. The, you know, the, I got the audition. I went in. I didn't get it the first time around. They decided that they maybe should relook at people that they were near misses the first time around. I went back in and they gave me the job. And I recently asked Don uh, Mancini if uh, who it was I owed the uh, job to. Who who should I thank? Who was the person that said this is this is the girl? And he said the second time, a second pass of auditions that it was unanimous that it was me. Had you seen? Were you a horror fan at all? Had you seen the original Child's Play at the time? No, I had not. I'm not a huge horror fan, actually. Um, I like, I mean, it, it's not a genre that I revere above any other, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I had to go rent it, the first one, when I got the second one. I might have even rented it before the audition, so I knew what the tone of the film would be. 
um, back when it was Blockbuster and there's VHS tapes and you had to go in there and if there's one copy of it and somebody has it, you can't get it, you know? So watching movies wasn't as easy back then as it is now, like on demand. Um, and I loved it. I think the first one's great. I think they're all great, actually. Why On Halloween this, this past year, I watched the entire franchise um, and I thought it really held up. Yeah, we really love it too. I mean, we think the first two especially hold up great. Um, look, I, I know you hadn't seen Child's Play before the audition, but were, were you aware of the magnitude and how iconic the movie had become? No, because it hadn't. It wasn't some, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't some massive hit, you know, it did well, but it wasn't like some blockbuster E.T. kind of a, you know, phenomenon. It was a successful horror movie, but uh, I wouldn't even say it made the same sort of splash that Scream made when Scream premiered, you know? So I think it's, it's grown in stature just by how long it's lasted and, and how diverse the films have ended up being over the course of 30, 30 something years, you know? And think- unlike any other franchise, it's the only franchise that, st- that the entire storyline stays true for the entire length of the, of the franchise. There's no rebooting of it. There's no, forget what happened before, here's some new characters with the, with the same bad guy. Everybody's story that, anyone that's ever existed remains as a real part of the lore of that franchise, you know? At the time of filming, did you have a sense that you guys were creating a really quality slasher? You know, looking back on it, we were born in 91, but looking back on it in the late 80s, early 90s, I think there was a little bit of slasher fatigue with all the sequels going on. I think interest was declining a little bit. Did you have an understanding of the type of movie that you guys were making? No, I was just excited to be working at all. I'm, I'm an actor, it, was, it happened early in my career. I started acting in like 87 or 88 and that was in 89, you know, it was really early for me uh, and a huge job for me. So I was super, super, super excited uh, to be there. But I don't think even Don Mancini knew what, what we're, what, you know, that, that Child's Play 2 is probably the one cited most often as people's favorite from the franchise. But um, no, and it, you know, it, it, and again, it, it, it did well, but it didn't like crush. It wasn't like some huge blockbuster when it came out, you know? So you have no sense of that when you're doing these things. I think it's very r- rare that you're in the mix of doing any film of any genre where you're in it and you go, I know this is gonna be great. I know this is great. Sure, especially as a young 25 year old, you're from Boston originally. Did you, did you, had you just moved to LA or were you still even living in Boston at the time? No, I, was, I moved to LA in 84. What are your memories of working with director John LaFia? Obviously, you know, we, we were super bummed to hear about what happened back in April. And, you know, being that it's Suicide Prevention Month here in September, where we record it, what are, you, what are your memories of working with him? He was an, un, um, an uncommonly sensitive, gentle person for this town, um, especially a director um and it's a, it was a tough town and it kind of chews you up and i think that maybe even be part of what contributed to his decision to leave us you know um he was really kind and not intimidating and patient and he had to work with alex vincent who's a kid and kids are you know kids can be um difficult to direct and 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 there's a lot of pressure when you work with a kid because their hours are so short because of the child labor laws and he had to work with Chucky, who's who's um, 
takes like nine puppeteers to run to make work in the most complicated shots. And um, that can be frustrating and, and t really time consuming to get that doll to do the things it's supposed to do correctly and have the lips move correctly to the dialogue and stuff. So he was really lovely. And, and we had reconnected in the last several years and he'd been to dinner at my house a couple of times. And I'm really glad that that happened, um, that I got to reconnect with him before this last year. Yeah, we were, we were so sad to hear about his death. And, you know, obviously he was the co-writer of the original. And, that, and that's what many of the headlines said, understandably. But us being huge slasher fans, us being huge fans of the franchise, we really knew him as the director to the sequel. Um, and that, that's really our lasting impression of John. So you mentioned Alex Vincent. Your relationship with Andy in the sequel, naturally, you, you probably get this all the time. It's one of the best aspects of the entire franchise. And the, the relationship felt so organic to us. Like, you know, initially Kyle pushes back a little bit as the rebellious, cynical teenager. But then ultimately she kind of takes on that sister-like figure to Andy as the movie progresses. Did you, I'm curious, did you have any younger siblings in real life that you were able to draw inspiration from? I have no siblings of any kind. Um, so no, <laughs> uh, it's just, um, I'm a human being. He's a cute little boy. Not to, it wasn't, it wasn't a stretch to, you know, to sort of fall in love with him. So, and he's like my brother from another mother. Now we, you know, when the show, when the movie, um, wrapped and then we were, neither one of us was brought in for the child's play three. I didn't talk to Alex for 30 years, you're you know, almost 25 years or something. So, um, but I got back in touch with him at a horror convention, maybe 10 years ago or something. Um, and it, it's, it's not, I can't say it's like, not like any time had gone by because last time I had seen him, he was seven and now he's a man, you know? <laughs> so it wasn't like no time had gone by, but it was like, it, 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 he was, we were, we clicked immediately and he's like a real life brother for me. Um, I really love Alex a great deal. So we really thought his acting progressed very nicely from the original to the sequel, really, really just matured and became much more of a polished actor. What, what was it like working with a child actor, especially as a young actress yourself? Um, and at that point, you know, I guess after the original people, you know, it, it didn't have a great impact immediately, but people did know who Alex Vincent was. What, what was it like working with a child actor that had a little bit of notoriety? Well, Alex was super smart. He is, he remains. He's one of the smartest people I've ever known. And and he was then too, it was evident. He was precocious and he knew, he'll tell you if you ask him, that he knew everybody, even in the first film, he'd memorized the entire script. He knew everyone's dialogue. Um, so he was a pretty savvy little actor and um, a sweet kid. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't a brat. He wasn't uh, like you see caricatures of child actors in movies, you know, screaming and being bossy and and uh, he wasn't like that at all he was a really intelligent little professional it was great what was it like filming that crazy toy factory scene at the end i mean by our estimation it's one of the best climaxes in slasher history it, take us through that i mean how, how crazy was that scene how fun was that well first of all i love that everyone calls it a scene when it's about half the film <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's not probably the scene is not doing it justice it's like really it's half the entire film so we shot it in a warehouse they built that they built that uh factory inside of a warehouse about 45 minutes north of la and uh it was cold <laughs> and um 
I mean, it, it was no different for me doing that scene than any other scene in the in a, in the movie. It's you do, you do each scene. You don't. It's not like you shoot, you know, a forty-five minute sequence in a day. You shoot little pieces of it here and there uh, over the course of months. So it wasn't. It didn't have any. It's like it's, like people, it, it's so fake. You know, it's also fake. People say, "Are you? Do you have nightmares? Do you have? Are you? Were you afraid of Chucky?" Did doing Alex's number one question he ever gets is did you have nightmares um, because of that? And the answer is no, it's play, it's fun. You're being paid, you're an actor, you know everything's fake. There's a 75 crew members around um, and it's just fun. You're just grateful to be working and that's a really fun film to do. It's, it was not a lot of emotional, heavy emotional work that can be really draining and a lot of pressure. So it was fun. I was so friggin' grateful to be there every single second. They would bring me in on days when I wasn't even on the schedule. I don't know how that was happening, but it did. And I'd get there and like eight hours later, a producer would be like, wait a minute, why are you even here? You're not even in anything today. Like, I don't know. They told me to come in. And that would never, now I would never, I would point out that I'm not in anything. Like, why am I coming in? I'm not fucking working today. Why are you calling me in there? Um, Then I I didn't even care. I was just so happy to be there. And when they would wrap me, I would say I only had to work half a day one day and then wrap me, I would stay and hang out and watch. I just, I loved everybody and everything and every second on that film. And what was it like after the film was really, was released? Did you, did you find yourself gaining in popularity? Like were people stopping you on the street or? Not in the least. (laughs) Absolutely not at all. Not even once. Do you think the movie has grown in popularity over time? Absolutely. I, 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 yeah, absolutely. I think that probably, arguably, the least popular from the franchise is the next film, is Child's Play 3. Um, so it gave Child's Play 2 even more sort of clout, you know, that it, for, for a bit there was, you know, was the, the last hurrah, the last great hurrah. I think it bounced back really well with Brighter Chucky, and, and um, mm-hmm. I think it's even, and then returning with with Curse and Cult, going back to the horror more than the comedy, I think it's really had incredible resiliency, uh, thanks to Dawn. But um, it's found other generations of fans. So it's it, people who, little kids that are three years old come up to my table at conventions and point at Chucky and want to touch Chucky and they're three, you know? So they could be a third or fourth generation of fans discovering Chucky. So absolutely. Almost every slasher film has a final girl. I mean, you can look at a film like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 where it was Mark Patton instead of a girl, but most of them do. Did you draw any inspiration from, you know, just for example, Jamie Lee Curtis for the role of Kyle being that, you know, you were, you were essentially going to be a final girl, even if you didn't understand that term or even if it wasn't a term at the time? No, because I'd seen both of those movies and I love them both. I think they're great. Um, but no, it's a different character. So I, I, I have not been influenced by any actor in any role, other role um, on any role I've played. I, I, I'm, there's certain, there's different sort of schools of acting. Everybody has their own approach to it. I always say there's two kinds of actors, really, if you break it down. There's the actor like Meryl Streep, who becomes invisible in the character that she's playing from film to film. And actors like Jack Nicholson who come in and they're Jack Nicholson as that character. So Jack Nicholson never loses who Jack Nicholson is, you know? And I think I fall more into that category. I'm not as talented. I'm not, a, I'm not trained. I'm a sort of an intuitive actor, not a trained chick with a craft to draw upon. I'm just out there winging it. So the best I can do, bring to anything is who I am, you know? So I think it's rare that an actor would say that they, drew on some other actor's performance for their own. 
you can be impressed by somebody else and admire what they did, but I don't really know how you, unless you're just doing a full-on homage to them, like you might argue that Christian Slater was doing to Jack Nicholson in Heathers. Mm. But that was pointed out. I don't know that, it, I think it had to, or, or like Johnny Depp said he was doing Keith Richards when he, in, um, as in the, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Um, but he's not, that's not even t- taking a performance and, and sort of working from it. He's taking a person. In, the, in both cases, it's a personality they were right. sort of uh, adapting. So, no, I'm, and, um, I mean, acting is, people ask sometimes if working with the doll was difficult because he was not, he's not, he's not animate. Uh, and there's two answers to that. One, no, no, because it's still fake. And what, Andy's not really my foster brother. Joanne didn't really get killed at the sewing machine. Like, it's all fake. It, and sometimes working with a doll is even easier than working with a person because there's no, not even a personality there. Like, there's no personality conflict. There's no, it's, it's easier, if anything, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever taken anything from anybody else's performance to use in my own. And I haven't had the skill set, frankly, to even think to do something like what Johnny Depp did with uh, Keith Richards and Captain Sparrow. It's a lot to maintain, you know, because you're shooting for weeks and weeks sometimes. That's a lot to maintain. How did your post credit scene in Cult of Chucky come about? Was that, was that Don's idea? Yeah, everything's Don's idea. So, um <laughs> It's great. I think part of why the franchise holds up for as well as it does is because Don has always been the person, the creative mind behind it. And, um, and so he asked me if I wanted to come back and curse, actually. He said, you want to come back uh, and do our different character in curse? I think to play Fiona's mom. Um, and I said, of course, I'll come back. I, I, I wish I'd been in Child's Play 3, you know? I wish I'd been in every single one of them. Um, so yes. And then it didn't work out, which is very good. It's a, it was a blessing in disguise. They had to, they shoot these things in Canada and Canada has rules about how many Canadians you have to use. Um, a percentage of people on the payroll have to be Canadian, a huge percentage to get this giant tax credit from Canada. So they couldn't bring in, they had so many Americans with Brad Dorff and you know the other people, Jennifer Tilly, the other people that they have that they're American, their American content was sort of maxed, maxed out so they couldn't use me. Uh, which ended up being way better for me because I'm really a million times happier to go back one as Kyle. It's inc- what a gift. There's not a lot of actors that can say they got to play the same character for 30 years and play her 30 years apart. Like, you know, th- playing her at 17 and then playing her at whatever, you know, <laughs> 37 or 50, whatever you you know, um, is rare. And, and also I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, I haven't died yet. So... <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, obviously for any Child's Play fan, it was a huge surprise seeing you at the end there and obviously a, a welcome surprise. Now, you mentioned Child's Play 3. Um, do you think that the, the reason you didn't get asked back, I mean, were they just trying to go in a different direction? Obviously, it, it, it was released a year after, but at that point, Andy Barkley had become a, you know, he, he was aged extensively and he was now in military. Do you think it just wasn't the right fit? Uh, I know for a fact that Don felt he'd explored all he could with having the doll go after a seven-year-old and that, and that every thing interesting that could be said about that particular dynamic had been said. Mm-hmm. So they aged him up uh, to have the Andy be a, in a different position of strength, frankly, than a seven-year-old would be. Uh, and also it gives him a chance to sexy it up too. And, and Perry Reeves comes in. Was, I actually love her and, um, and make, you know, sexy it up a little bit. 
there's no there's no love interest for a seven year old, but they're sure. kids working in you know military academy. So we've learned that just by running this podcast that the the, the horror community it's very loyal, very tight knit. Yes. What what have your interactions been like over the years? And if I had told you thirty years ago when you were filming this or when it was first released that you would be attending horror conventions thirty years later, what, would you have told me that I was crazy? Yeah, I would actually because conventions at the time the only conventions that existed in that day were star trek conventions and they were mocked mercilessly you know as just being a bunch of dorks you know with spock ears on um broken neck pinching people and it was sort of a, a scene for um nerds you know um so i would have cursed you if you said I was going to be relegated 30 years later to that sort of a community. That isn't what the community is now, though. Horror conventions are super legit. Uh, people like from, who are actively on number one television shows, like, you know, Norman Reedus or whatever, will appear at these things. So it doesn't mean your career is over. And people that attend aren't, aren't Star Trek nerds, you know. Um, it's a, it is a really loyal community. And I love conventions. I love everything about them. I like being out of town um in what feels like doing a, like a location shoot for a job but there's no responsibility there's no job to shoot so it's fun to be on location i get to see alex vince and i do almost all of these things with alex he lives in florida i live in la so i only see him pretty much at these things and it's a great immersion for me to sit at a table next to him for three night three whole days um there's always other actors there that i know and haven't seen in a long time there's actors there that i admire and i fangirl out over when i walk past their table you know, myself, I, I'm a fan of movies too. And, uh, and it's great to meet fans. And I find it to be a really, not just a really um, lo loyal community to the film, to the film projects, but like I'll have at my table, I'll have all my stuff out, photos and books and scripts and whatever I have out there for people to buy to have me sign. And then I'll walk away from the table to go to the bathroom or to go say hi to an actor or go get lunch or something. And not and a friend will be like, why are you walking away from your table? People are going to steal stuff. And I'm like, no one's ever stolen anything ever. No one steals stuff. So while everyone walking around has like, you know, neck tattoos and piercings and crazy costumes and giant fake special effects wounds, uh, and black t-shirts with, you know, anthrax and, you know, slipknot t-shirts on. It's a super family environment. It's a really, it's a family <laughs> event. Yeah. Uh, it's super wholesome, despite what a mainstream person might think. Looking at those people, they're judging a book by its cover and they're misjudging it. So I love them. I think they're fantastic. And yeah. I get to see a lot of really rare stuff too. People come to my table. I've fan, I've, fans have given me fan art that isn't spectacular. I've signed things that are, I've never seen before, little collectible things that people either they made themselves or they're just a rare, they bought something from Kevin Yeager or from, you know, some other source to get some rare item. Uh, so it's, I just, I, there's nothing about them I don't like. I think they're great. So there was a lot of criticism, understandably, for obvious reasons around the 2019 remake. We know, we know Don's opinion on it. And I, I would assume that your opinion kind of aligns with Don's. Google that. Okay. Google Christine Lee's and Child's Play reboot, and you'll see a whole series of articles that came out. I did a little tiny podcast with somebody, and he asked me about it before it could come out. Uh -huh. And I said I thought it was a huge dick move, and, yeah. um, which I did. And um, I do. And... It went viral and a bunch of other horror magazines and horror sites, websites and podcasts and things came out with increasingly hysterical titles like 
you know, Child's Play Two Star rages against the Chucky remake, <laughs> loses her fucking mind over, and uh, like I was just absolutely unhinged about about the fact that this thing was going on. Um, I do think it's a dick move. I think, and I'll tell you why. First of all, I don't think it's legit to interfere and remake a project, uh, a, a film when that franchise is still alive and healthy. If there hadn't been a Child's Play movie for 10 years, then rebooting it would be fair, but they're actively creating a television show now and they were mm-hmm. then too. And to, to, make a, to make a competing film with, a, with an existing healthy franchise and confuse fans and then potentially derail the TV series or derail Dawn's next efforts because they either think the market has a glut or that this, or if the movie didn't do well would maybe prove that there's no interest. It could have been a bad for us. And I didn't even know what thing to root for. I didn't know whether I should root for it to succeed or root for it to fail because I didn't have any way to predict what those two things might do to us. Um, fortunately, it seems like it didn't do super well and it didn't, it didn't derail the show as of yet. So um, I guess I, I can relax, <laughs> but I, I, I didn't see it. I won't see it. It's a, it's a betrayal to Dawn to see it. Well, speaking of the TV show, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can tell us or not, but do you, do you have any involvement in the show? I hope so. I don't have any concrete information about that yet. The way TV, all projects work, you know, they don't really hire, they don't make you an offer. They can't make you an offer and tell you that you're involved until they have a start date for you to work. It's a union law. And with COVID and things being bumped and the way schedules go, um, they, I wouldn't find out I was, had the job until a week or two before it happened, you know? So I, Don knows I want to be involved. I think Don would like to have me involved. I don't know. That could be, cock blocked by any studio person or by how the story is. I don't even know what the scripts are gonna, looking like or where, where, where it's taking off from. If they're st- taking up from where, where cult left off or if they're coming into the story from a different angle, I don't know. So I don't know, but I, I tell you, if they offer me anything, I will say yes, <laughs> but they yeah. haven't yet. Yeah, we, we would love to see you. We don't, wanna, we don't wanna keep you for too much longer. Before we, before we sign off here, Christine, tell us what's going on in your life. Plug anything you want to plug. Uh, well, nothing much is going on in my life because we're, I, I'm basically still in lockdown. It's quarantine. Mm. It's, I'm, even though I could, I suppose, go to a restaurant and sit in the sidewalk, I just don't feel right doing that yet. So I'm in lockdown in my house. But the things that I would like to um, promote are uh, three things, actually. One, I have a vegan cooking channel on YouTube. Uh, this is called Delightful, Delicious, and Lovely, but you can get to it by going to videovegan.com. And there's about 150 episodes up uh, of on that channel. And it's a channel not geared toward vegans. It's geared toward people who want to cut back on meat. It's geared toward meat eaters and um, the, the sort. Or like I have a friend who's in his 60s and he had a heart attack and his doctor put him on a medically induced uh, vegan diet. And, and other people, more, kids are coming home from college and declaring to their parents that they're vegan and little kids are, you know, it's a, it's a, it's gaining in popularity and a lot of people don't even know where to begin with it. So um, my, it's a friendly user-friendly uh, not judgmental vegan cooking show. I also wrote a comedy novel called bathing in the single girl. 
uh, if you go to bathing book, B-A-T-H-I-N-G, bathingbook.com, uh, there's a 10 minute short there on the tabs, uh, on a bigger, on a de desktop, the tab, the film tab is obvious on a phone. It's harder to find it's up in the upper left and it's tiny, but go to the film tab and there's a 10 minute short film that I wrote and directed and star in that works really well as a trailer for the book. It's a dirty comedy. It's not, um, it's not erotica. It's not like Fifty Shades of Grey. It's more like Larry David wrote a book about how much dating sucks. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really raunchy and it's really cranky and I, I think it's really funny and it's not a chick book it looks people think it's a chick book but it's not the men that have read it are scandalized <laughs> properly scandalized as they should be um and lastly i do photography as well and so i have a if you go to my pinup like a pinup girl my pinup uh you can buy some chucky stuff uh in all formats like whether you want a framed print or a beach towel or a mug or a phone cover or whatever, um, like 30 or 50 different kind of products. You can get much of my photography and some Chucky stuff on too. Uh, yeah. And that's it. I'm on Instagram. I'm super aggressive on Instagram. I'm there all the time. Um, Facebook is increasingly irritating to me because they have bizarre arbitrary rules. Uh, I know they're owned, owned by the same people, but Facebook is just super nudgy. I got put in the corner on a timeout for a week for posting a picture of Betty Page, a topless picture of Betty Page, some harmless picture of a, a, a girl with her boobs out in 1955, you know, putting a ball on a Christmas tree. And I got a week of timeout for that. But me, meanwhile, white supremacist groups can spread hate all over Facebook. That's cool. But Betty Page's boobs are a bridge too far. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I... I just think that that's horse shit. <laughs> so I spend more time uh, on Instagram and as le there's less conversation on Instagram too, which nowadays is healthier for me because of the current climate in this country. And I get in a lot of fights with, with the Trumpers. So sure. it's best if I talk to them <laughs> less than more. <laughs> well, look, this was amazing. I mean, we can't tell you how happy we are and grateful that you came on and I uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. I did. It was really fun. Thanks so much.